Hi, welcome to another wonderful conference of the Murthy Law Firm teleconference series. This is Sheila Murthy, the founder and president of the Murthy Law Firm, and we appreciate your taking time in the middle of your day to participate in our uh, teleconference series. For those of you who attended the session last time, you understand this is part two of a two-part series that we're doing on what to do when the USCIS comes knocking on your door, dealing with the fraud detection, national security, and related issues. I have with me the same two fantastic speakers, two of my esteemed colleagues, joining me in today's conference call, Andrew Steinberg. Uh, Drew, whom, uh, go, who goes by the name Andrew, who goes by the name of Drew, has about 15 years' experience with the federal government. Um, and his last assignment was as Deputy Chief at the Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And with his really impressive background and attention to detail, I think he makes a fabulous team uh, person to have both to appreciate and understand and share with our clients the government perspectives, as well as from a lawyer, because now he's come to the other side, the better side, as we joke around. Uh, accompanying Drew and myself, we have Brian Green, uh, who's been doing litigation for about nine years prior to joining the Murthy Law Firm, has been with us almost about two years, and has uh, successfully done a lot of cases when the Department of Labor and ICE um, or uh, FDNS folks knock on the company's doors. Unfortunately, this is a practice that we have started to expand and grow quite a bit in the last couple of years, um, since this is becoming a much more expansive outreach by the federal government. Uh, and I know many of you obviously would prefer not to be doing this work, and trust me, I would much rather be doing good, positive immigration law when the country is chugging along and the economy is doing better. But it is an unfortunate reality of the times, and we are here to protect our clients, our companies, in giving you all, as companies, the best possible information, the best possible team uh, to help you if there is a knock on the door, if there is an audit, if there is an investigation. We are trying to do all of this work on a very um, sort of simple, flat fee sort of basis, trying to make it as easy so that you all, as employers and as businesses, can continue to focus on what really you want to do, which is provide consulting services to companies and um, other businesses. So without further ado, let me get right to it. In the last session, as I said, we went through and gave a quick overview of Department of Labor, of ICE, and FDNS. And this time, we were going to start with, right on bang on the subject, what to do when the U.S. Show, CIS shows up at your company's door. And I am going to let our resident expert, Drew, here get into the details on that. Thank you, Sheila. Um, when USCIS comes knocking, what typically happens is an officer from their Fraud Detection and National Security Unit will come to the business and they will demand to immediately speak with company managers. They want to conduct an interview right away and they may, con they may ask for documents that they want right away while they're sitting there waiting. So what they try to do is surprise people. And the first thing to keep in mind is, is the best thing to do to not be surprised is have a plan in advance. Um, That's a I, wonderful suggestion. I think we're all so afraid of it. We don't even want to think about it. But planning in advance is critical to every endeavor in life, especially if you think someone, the government, which is becoming an unfortunate common practice. Right, in particular because we know that USCIS has ramped up this part of their operations. And 
we've been seeing many, many employers that we represent getting visits like this. So in terms of preparation, you want to, for example, the people that normally greet visitors to the business, be it a receptionist, whoever, you want to make sure that they know who they're supposed to call if somebody shows up, who you want to be speaking with that officer. So it's not just you know haphazard. You want to have it thought through. The second thing is um, you want to have uh, contacted an attorney and done a review of your company's compliance with all of the relevant regulations. And normally we're talking about H-1B regulations here. Uh, many companies that we represent uh, think that they're in compliance with all the regulations, but when we start asking them detailed questions, it turns out they're really not. So you really want to get your house in order before an officer comes asking you questions. So that's, that's prior, that's planning. Now, and before they, we give yeah. away all our secrets, I, I forgot a very simple but important administrative home housekeeping task, which is no recording is allowed of this conference series because it is part of the copyrighted materials of the Murthy Law Firm. And we would expect you to please appreciate that and obviously comply with the law when we're talking about compliance. Sorry, Drew, please go ahead. Okay, thank you. Um, so when they actually do come um, and when you speak to them, the first thing you want to do is you want to get their business cards or at least I get them to identify who they are, what agency they're from, and if they give a very general answer like I'm from DHS, you really want to try to pin them down to more specifically what, what sub-agency are you with, what division are you with, to make sure you know who you're speaking to, and then uh, when you go and talk to your attorney afterwards, this is going to be very, a very important piece of information that your attorney is going to want to know. Because we can contact them and follow up with them if required. Sure, sure, mm -hmm. and it'll give the attorney a much better idea of uh, how to give you advice on how to handle Because whether it's a Department of Labor or ICE or FDNS, it's completely different legal basis, legal statutory advice and uh, strategy that we need to work on. Exactly. Fantastic. Exactly. Um, now, um, you also need to understand that all the information that you give the officers can be used and can lead to an enforcement action by one of the various enforcement branches for example, the Department of Labor. Um, and in, in some cases, the information could be used in criminal proceedings um, against managers of the company. So you want to make sure that you don't panic and that you go about responding in an orderly way. And you should understand that with a, with a CIS officer, cooperation is really voluntary, um, and particularly, uh, particularly cooperation at that moment on that spot. Unless they walk in with a court order, um, you're perfectly within your rights to say, I'm very happy to cooperate with you, but I'd like to you know, schedule this for a later time. Um, and for example, if they ask for documents, um, say, you know, we'd be happy to consider any request for documents, but please send your request in writing. Um, you want to make it clear that you are willing to cooperate. Um, but that you just want to do it in an orderly way. Now, is this completely different strategy because it's the FDNS and USCIS than if it was Department of Labor? Can you, is it the same rule that you would follow, uh, Drew? I would, I would follow the same rule if it's the, the U.S. Department of Labor. Wonderful, because I think a lot of our company clients think that they absolutely need to sort of jump and answer the government and sort of, you know, the minute the government uh, snaps their fingers, they think they need to jump really and, like, flip out and get upset about it, and rather than calming down and saying, let's schedule a convenient time. 
Exactly. Cooperation doesn't necessarily mean cooperation at the exact moment the government requests it. Very good tip. Very, very helpful. Um, one other tip to keep in mind is you don't know exactly what the purpose of their visit is, um, but they're always going to most likely try to downplay the seriousness of it. They're almost always going to be very friendly, and they're going to make it seem like this is no big deal. You know, we're just, we just want to talk to you, ask you a few questions. Um, but that, shouldn't, that should not make you uh, less cautious because you really don't know what the purpose of the visit is. Um, and so it's, it's, it's almost always a good idea to try to buy yourself some time to speak with an attorney before you respond to them. That's very interesting because one of the most common things that I'm told in my consultations is, I don't think it's very scary because the person seemed really nice and friendly to me or seemed like they didn't have, you know, it wasn't like they were really mad and angry. And you're saying that this could be a little bit of the good cop, bad cop sort of game playing that's going on. And people who are not familiar with the art of negotiation and sophisticated game playing um, from different cultures where things are done completely differently could be completely blindsided with this type of uh, game playing tactics. Exactly. That is a little bit scary here. Brian, you, you are dying to say something? My one question for Drew would be, is this the same advice you would give if it's a contractor who shows up from FDNS? Say it's not an FDNS officer, but it's a contractor working for DHS. You know, how would you handle that in, if they show up at the knock on the door and say, we want to see some documents or talk to some of your employees? Um, exactly the same way. Exactly the same way. Um, you're right that CIS has hired contractors to come and do this for them. So don't be surprised if it's not um, an actual CIS officer. Wonderful. Sorry we are so excited we keep interrupting you, but let's, we can let you continue, Drew. Okay, I think that's, that's really the end of my list of general pointers. Um, keep in mind that this obviously isn't advice specific to your situation. Uh, the appropriate response of each company is gonna depend on its particular circumstances. Uh, so these are just general pointers that I think it would be good for all employers to keep in mind. Okay. And uh, what's, your, what's the policy or the advice that we would give to companies about giving documents? Because that's one of the first things they say is, oh, I had nothing to hide. And here's a list of all the documents. And they asked me for these 10 H-1 petitions and this and this and this. And I gave it, you know, because what's the big deal? Sure, sure. Um, you know, it depends on what they're asking for. Typically they will make very broad requests, um, such as give me copies of all H-1B petitions that uh, you've filed in the last five years. Um, so when the requests get very broad like that, it's very difficult for you to know exactly whether you're giving them something that's going to work against you or not. If it's something very specific, you know, like they make it clear, we're looking into this, this one employee, we want to make sure that he has a, an actual job here, Okay, so then you have a little bit more control over the information you're giving them. Mm -hmm. um, I see, because one of the things I know that I'm always concerned is any documents that you can, that you hand over, can and will be used against you as a company and could be certainly used against you either in a civil or in a criminal investigation. So you really want to be somewhat careful that how much we, you give out and what you give out, especially if you don't have either some kind of a lawyer or an advisor guiding you and telling you not to give away more than you absolutely need to do. So you have to be a little bit careful with that. And, and you know, to point out what Drew just said, when they end the discussion saying, oh, and they smile and they laugh and they say, oh, you did a fine job to make you at ease, the real sort of strategy is they want you to feel less 
threatened and then to cooperate with them more in the future. So be a little cautious. Remember, I tell people all the time, they are not your best friend. They are not your parents. They are not here to protect you and guide you. They are, their payroll depends on how many companies they can find, how much they can find, because the more fines they get, the more they are guaranteeing their own future job prospects for the long term. So sometimes it may be technical violations. Sometimes it may be real violations. Um, Nobody in the world has not made a mistake. But remember, they benefit when they slap us with fines, U.S. companies, us as com employers, as companies. So be extra careful about this issue. Um, okay, Brian. Now, the question that I'm often asked, and I think it's a relevant question, is do I really need to have an attorney before I speak with them or give them documents, especially when they're, all they're asking for is like simple documents which are presumably available through the USCIS database? Um, and what's the big deal? And I don't feel I have anything to hide because I've been complying with the law all the time. And I'm really a good, honest, law-abiding company and a law-abiding person. I don't even have a ticket in my name for speeding. Uh, what would your advice be and why? This is probably the most important question that you can actually ask yourself. You know, do I want to speak to legal counsel before I start to cooperate or not? And the answer to that question completely depends on the individual facts of your company and how much your company has got as close as possible to complying with all of the different regulations. So without knowing whether your company has every single document, every single piece of evidence required by the Department of Labor and its regulations, you can't know whether you're giving over evidence that, as Drew described earlier, it may be used to find back wages or fines against the company, or worse, could be used in a criminal investigation in a trial against the managers and executives of the company. You have to know those details first, and then a lawyer should help you analyze those details and say you should cooperate now or you know, hit the backup plan. We have to do some work over the next week and then cooperate with the agent. Okay. Okay. Um. And, you know, the, the entire issue of, you know, people say, well, what if I partially cooperate? You know, what does that mean? Um, you know, do I have to? Do I, can I give them at least something to kind of keep them happy? But it comes back to what Drew said, you know, earlier. Uh, you absolutely can ask for a more convenient time when they can come back, when you can provide all of the required information in a simple manner, in a more orderly fashion. And don't be afraid. Be very polite, uh, but be a little firm. Um, and, and, and again, asking for identification, asking for unless there's a court subpoena, a court document assigned by a federal judge saying that you have to give it on a certain date or time. Usually you as a company have a lot of flexibility with stuff like this. So don't don't sort of get, allow yourself to feel a little panicky, which is very, very common and natural. What yes, I would suggest is once you've got the identification of those officers or contractors, you then say, I want to speak to my counsel, my attorney about this. And then which agency, as Drew said earlier, which agency is making the request will determine how fast and in what manner you have to respond. If it's FDNS, as Drew described earlier, it's more than likely going to be voluntary, and you should take the time to speak to an attorney. The best course of uh, conduct is earlier on to do an audit of your files and see if there are problems. But if you have not, and the agent or contractor knocks on the door, you then want to 
give yourself some time and some room. If it's another agency, if it's ICE, you have obligations to produce, say, I-9s. But you really need to know who you're dealing with and have an attorney say, this is the time frame and this is what you need to do now to decide how am I going to address this. And if it's FDNS, they're often looking at H-1B cases, and they may look into public access files. So those are very complicated sets of documents, and you need to know, has my company properly compiled it or not? And a lot of this looks so simple. Whenever I look at the I-9, I always feel it's like the easiest and simplest piece of document, couple pages, simple form, but then they catch you on so many violations as employers, and I think we always have to be very, very careful uh, to have somebody else. And it's usually never advisable for the company president who's also doing networking, marketing, supervising employees, supervising staff, to also be the HR manager and reviewing documents and collecting it and being too busy to know if all of the correct pieces of evidence and information have been given. And sometimes when the company is small, it makes sense to cut corners and to be very careful uh, in how much money you want to outlay in expenses. But, I, you know, you never want to be penny wise and pound foolish because in the long run, it ends up becoming more expensive as we can vouch from our clients. Um, because and, and one of the things I think it's also important to remember is that sometimes the USCIS will ask for information and documents which is unrelated to any pending petition, and these requests are usually most likely beyond the, the authority of the, uh, the government agency, and really an attorney can help you to determine how to limit the scope of the response and what not to give, uh, which is 100% within your legal rights as the company. So again, as we were saying, you know, if you feel tempted to partially cooperate, you really want to be careful that uh, if you don't have an attorney and you decide you want to do it, then here are a couple of suggestions. You know, obviously, if the company thinks it has problems in an area of inquiry, stop, reschedule the time, and allow uh, yourself a little bit of time to discuss it, to regroup, to think, and to talk to your lawyer or other advisors um, in, who have prepared, helped prepare the documents or how to best cover yourself. Second, only provide information that relates directly to a pending application or petition. For example, if the officer simply wants to verify that you have a real office or workplace and real jobs, the officer wants to verify that an employee works in a specific location for you, etc., then give them that specific information. Don't go on and say, here's my drawer, help yourself. And you may think it's funny or crazy and you would never do it, but you'll be surprised how many of our clients say, well, I didn't think I had anything to hide, and I said, here's all my you know, file employee drawers. Um, sometimes the officer wants to verify specific employee and what that person is doing, but sometimes they're on a fishing expedition and they want to try and get out something else and see if they can find something else on a totally unrelated file. And many, many cases, individuals and companies get caught when they volunteer a little more than they need to. And the third point I'm going to say is when the officer starts asking for information or documents like all H-1B petitions filed during the last five years, or a list of names of contact information for all current employees, like their home addresses, et cetera, et cetera, or any broad-based information, again, you want to think twice before you respond immediately, as this request may be outside the scope of their legal authority and may lead the officer to discover other violations, as I just pointed out. But again, as Drew pointed out, and I think Brian may have pointed out, you certainly want to be courteous and polite, 
always be polite. Never get flustered, never get angry. And the way, way not to get flustered and angry is if you have role played this in your head before, but indicate that you need a little bit of time to respond to their request, to gather the documents, to consolidate it and give it to them. Also, I think it's not a bad idea for you to speak and notify your employees that they may be being contacted by a Department of Labor, USCIS, FDNS agent, so that this will prevent widespread, uh, this will prevent the spreading of panic or rumors among your staff, because if you're a consulting company, the last thing you can afford in any economy, particularly in this kind of an economy, is having your most valuable assets, namely your employees, walk out of the door thinking that the company or the business is going to be shut down, when in fact that is not at all the case or hopefully not at all the case, but even if it is the case, you want to be the person that is controlling the whole operation and not be dancing to the tunes of a government official. So, you know, for example, your documents may be in a warehouse or in a storage facility. You need a little bit of time to gather it. So don't just go and squeal and jump at their tunes and just start volunteering information. Control it, control your staff. Be fair, communicate clearly to your employees, and make it sound like they have no reason to panic because you are in 100% control and you have nothing to hide with the government. Drew, coming back to, to sort of the issue, what if the officer says, you know what, thank you for that list of your employees, I intend to contact them, um, or, or you know that it's going to happen, how should the company specifically deal with it? Right. Um, this is an, an issue that comes up all the time. Um, you know, companies ask us, the investigator wants to talk to my employees. So what am I supposed to tell my employees? So a few general pointers in this area. Um, first, the officer does not have a right to come and interview the, em the employee on company premises. Um, obviously, it can That's very interesting. And why is that? Well, it's private property. And the, the agent does not have a right to be on the property. And you certainly, as an employer, don't have to be paying a person's salary while they're being interviewed by the government. You're saying it doesn't have to be during office hours, on office premises. If they want to do it on the night or the weekend, that's up to the employee if they wish to cooperate or not. Exactly. exactly. Very good point. Yeah. Um, and obviously, uh, uh, having an officer walking around your premises can be a little bit disruptive to business also. Um, now, in terms of whether you know whether you can advise employees to to speak with them or advise them not to speak with them, um, you should absolutely not discourage your employees from speaking with them. It's their choice. It's between them and the agent. Um, it can be uh, obstructing justice, obstructing an investigation, if you put pressure on your employees not to talk. Also, if the employee is, for example, on an H-1B, uh, their refusal to talk can be considered a violation of their status, their refusal to answer questions. Because um, it's considered sort of what, non-failure to cooperate with the government, obstruction of justice? Well, there's actually a specific regulation that says failure to um, provide information when requested from an officer, uh, particularly about issues like their H-1B status and whether they're doing the, the job that was listed on their H-1B application, particularly things related to that, there's actually specific regulation that says if you fail to provide that information, uh, it can be considered a violation of status and the person can be put in removal proceedings. So you have to be very careful about that as well. Um, what you can do is you can definitely um, ask your employees 
that if they are interviewed, to let you know, and to let you know what the questions were and what the answers were. Um, I wouldn't advise pressuring employees to give this information if they don't want to, um, but certainly, you know, you can do that. Obviously, you have to make a judgment as to, um, you know, how much you want to let employees know there's an investigation going on, um, but you certainly are within your rights to ask the employees to let you know um, and to provide you with, um, you know, to So if they are them. voluntarily willing to share that information with you, that's fine, but you can't force them either way to, to share the information. But if they're willing to do that, then obviously it's helpful for you to plan and to see the focus of the uh, officer's investigation. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, so I think those are, those are the major pointers I would, um, I would uh, put forth with respect to interviewing employees. Um, and I think... Um, okay, I mean, I think that's really helpful because, you know, if the employee then shares that list, shares the summary of the discussion, provides what documents are being requested, it can give you as the company and you as the employer a sense of, okay, which way is this investigation going? Mm -hmm. What are they specifically trying to target? And also, I think by informing the employees in advance that this may be happening and there's no needs, reason to panic or get alarmed that uh, this is happening to hundreds and hundreds and thousands of companies around the country, very unfortunately, um, because it is a big disincentive in this economy. The people who are pro producing the economy and keeping the economy chugging along are feeling targeted and shutting down. But it is the way things are going. And we understand that this is there's a huge amount of money being expended towards enforcement. Um, Drew, that was really helpful. Um, so, Brian, what would you tell a company if they say, what can I do now to start preparing? What should I do? Can you summarize it so that the company understands how to work? Absolutely. The, the key is that the company needs to plan ahead. And the simplest thing they can start to do is to have a plan to, of what they're going to do when an officer, from whatever agency it is, knocks on the door and starts asking questions. There, it could be a one-page document, but they need to identify if someone comes and says they're a government agent, who is the person who's going to greet that person? So if they're at the reception desk, who is the person who's going to walk out, shake hands, ask for the business card, and represent the company? And from my point of view, I would not want that to be an HR manager or someone who had signed the labor condition applications. You may want to have someone who is not directly involved in the H-1B petitions. So if that person is asked questions, there's a lesser danger of giving over evidence or disclosing things to that officer right away. So the first thing is have a plan of the person who will deal with the agent. You may want to have them go to a conference room away from employees and their workstations. But second to that, you may want to have spoken with an attorney ahead of time. That would be uh, a plan created within the company. You may want to involve an attorney right now and say, what can we do? What do we have to do that day? And if you can, if your plan involves an attorney speaking with that agent, you may create a buffer where the agent has to ask things from the attorney, and the attorney then will go to the company and say, this is being requested. Here's my advice. The attorney can give answers that may not be evidence of wrongdoing. It may be that the attorney can answer questions, arrange times for documents to be provided in a way that gives them maximum protection to that employer. Okay. Okay. 
Um, what about, are there any other issues that the company can do to prepare? Well, absolutely. The first thing I would tell a company to do is to look inside their, their own company and see, are the public access files correctly compiled? Are all the details that need to be there, are they inside the public access files? Are the I-9 files correctly retained? If you do audits of your own documents and files, you can actually find and maybe even solve problems that FDNS wants to find right now. So if you can get ahead of the game, if you can fix problems before FDNS or ICE or DOL comes knocking, you can give the maximum protection to your company and maybe even if things are completely done right, you may even solve the problem and FDNS may not be able to find something to, you know, as Sheila said, to, ver to justify their existence and to get fines and to help, you know, find problems in the system. Okay. Okay. Well, you know, you, again, it's the, 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 the crux of this issue is to be prepared, to plan, to be calm, and to stay focused, to keep your paperwork in order, and to try and cooperate as much as possible, but do it at your time, your pace, um, and in a manner that can protect you and your company to the best extent possible under the law. We're always mindful of time considerations because we understand how busy you all are as companies and businesses and as employers. So we try to stay within the 30 to 45 minute range in, in time for our teleconferences. Um, I think that uh, this type of a, a conference was obviously very, very popular from the number, the hundreds of you that have signed up to attend this type of a conference. And too much preparation can never be enough in a situation like this. Uh, so we want you to know that uh, you, you have uh, all of us here at the Murthy Law Firm, particularly Drew and Brian, uh, to help you, to be available, to guide you. Hopefully you will never get that knock in your lifetime. Lord knows none of us, we all have enough problems in life without having to deal with the federal governmental enforcement agency knocking. But should the worst happen, we are absolutely here to protect you, to fight for you, to guide you and to help you either before the investigation and planning or preparing or uh, during the investigation or even after to try and minimize the damages and the risk and plan and prepare. Uh, again, prevention is always cheaper than cure. We can do the audits. We can check the files out. It's so much less expensive and much less stressful to make sure that all your paperwork is 100% squeaky clean so that when they do come in and say, show me your I-9s, show me your LCAs, show me your H-1 petitions, you can say, sure, because you have had it reviewed and examined under a microscope for every possible violation and cleaned up any inconsistencies that is humanly possible. In fact, they may get so nervous, hopefully, when they see how fantastically squeaky clean your documents are because you worked with one of the fantastic people here at the Murthy Law Firm. So um, you know what? Let's work together. Let's hold our heads up high. We have nothing to hide. You are going to comply with the law. We're going to help you. As I mentioned early on in this, uh, during the teleconference, we have very, very good reasonable fees, flat fees. We can guide you. We can mentor you. We can help you. Uh, it's an unfortunate area of the practice of immigration law that we were forced to expand into approximately two years ago. But we did this and we made that investment particularly because we care about you. We care about health 
helping you and we want you to continue in business until you're old and gray and ready to retire. Let's not all pack up and give up on the American dream. We can be part of it. You, I, all of us, we are going to continue to succeed. And when the economy picks up, you are going to have been able to ride out this rough wave. Thank you again so much for being a part of our Murthy Teleconference series. We look forward to having you with us at the next session. Have a wonderful rest of the day and a great week. Bye-bye.